listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. It is Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight. A uh, very uh, smoky conditions out there, but we appreciate you listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports. Uh, whatever you're doing this weekend, please be safe and understand the situation in Alberta with the wildfires is is very severe right now. The air quality here sitting at a nine in Edmonton. I look at Calgary because there's a game there on uh, Monday, the holiday Monday, between the Elks and Stampeders. And a game you can hear right here on 630, Chad, 1230 countdown to kickoff and 2 o'clock for the kickoff. And right now Calgary doing much better at a four, but uh, stuff's letting out there. So please be careful and uh, think about others while you're having fun yourself. All right, one nothing. The Stars lead the Knights game one of the Western Conference Final. And just about to start the second period of that game. East Final in the NBA game two. Boston Celtics hosting the Miami Heat. The Heat at the half lead 54-50. It's a 4-2 lead for the Baltimore Orioles uh, over the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. They're in the top of the ninth inning. So uh, the Jays got to make something happen in the bottom of the ninth if they're going to win this one or extend it into extra innings at the uh, Master or Masters. I keep saying Masters. Don't say Masters. But Scotty Scheffler is a two-time Masters winner, including this year. He, along with Canadian Corey Connors and Victor Hovland, have uh, share the lead at five under par. And Corey Connors did have a bogey on 16, which knocked him out of the lead. He had it for a while in round two. But then that bogey uh, and a couple of birdies from Scheffler uh, pulled them even. And then Scheffler was leading a couple of holes to uh, the 18th hole. He had a one-shot lead and took a bogey. Only a second bogey of the whole tournament. There's only one one player that has less bogey. That's one. (laughs) What's his name again? Let's see here. Uh, Justin Sue has one bogey through 32 holes. Scheffler's second bogey kind of costly, I guess, because it dropped him into a three-way tie, but he's in the hunt. Corey Connors' putting has been sensational in this uh, in this tournament, PGA Championship. Second major of the year. So, uh, of course, Ken Holland, a couple days ago with the, uh, with the line that everyone's talking about, I don't invest in green bananas. So what did Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff have to, uh, what was his reaction to uh, what Holland had to say, who was very fiery, very determined, sounded very uh, disappointed and determined to get this team to a Stanley Cup and win a Stanley Cup. Uh, Frank Saravalli on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer had this reaction. I think everyone understood how devastating it was just because the recognition from everyone is that this team's close. I think it's a lot harder to take when you know that you have something good as opposed to like what you feel in Toronto is, you know, they, they got to the same round and lost, but what you feel in Toronto is like, they're not even close. At least that's how I look at it. I feel like the, the Oilers lost to a a good team that is an authentic Stanley cup contender, especially as you look at this final four. So, The core is there. That's unquestioned. I think there were some untimely injury issues. We broke all this down already, but Ken Holland's thought process, I just keep thinking of the metaphor he used that I don't invest in green bananas because I'm not going to be around to see them uh, eat them when they're ripe. I thought that was intriguing. I think everyone's curious about what 
the Oilers look like one year from now. But the point being, not any one person in this organization, player, coach, whoever is associated, the point to drive home is that the Edmonton Oilers are, are fully 100% invested in being that last team standing next year. And to look beyond that, you always have to. Yep. You always have to think about a five-year plan, but this is this is the here and now, and this is what matters. Well, and this is year five of the five-year plan. So, again, Ken Holland doesn't invest in green bananas. And good point by Frank Cervelli. Everyone in the organization is united and angry and upset and determined to fix this. Where in Toronto today, Kyle Dubas is not coming back as the GM after five years. And the president, Brandon Shanahan, looked at Dubas after Monday and said, hmm, and so you don't want to be the general manager? Now you do, because you want this number. And as Gore Selleck said, you don't want to uh, discount any issues that are going on with him, but to turn around and say, I want to be the GM now for this number. It's not good because Toronto is probably not as far away as people think. Um, I certainly think they're a good team, like the Oilers. I thought, honestly, it was going to be a Leafs-Oilers Stanley Cup final. Didn't happen. So huge disappointments in both markets, but for this market, it's just devastating is the wrong word. It's just massive disappointment. But this team is close. They're in the window. That's all there is to it. Oil Kings, uh, they're looking for more success. And it's cyclical in junior hockey, as we know. And they were uh, one of the three best teams we've ever seen in Edmonton as far as major junior goes or the Western Hockey League. Well, the uh, Oil Kings are trying to rebuild. And a cool story with the 12th overall pick in the first round of the prospects draft earlier this week, they picked Joe Aginla which is the son, 14-year-old son, of Jerome Ginla. And Reed Wilkins had a chance to talk to him yesterday. Well, Joe, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? I am doing very well. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, you got drafted by the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, they've signed you to the uh, scholarship and development agreement as well. Tell us about the feeling of getting drafted into the WHL. Oh, it's great. You know, my, my dad didn't actually get drafted. But my brother did. So it's just like, it's just great to finally be able to join them, you know? That's a great point about your dad. Did you know, did you give him a hard time that you got picked and he didn't? I mean, no, but you definitely gave me the idea now. So I might do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, in terms of the Oil Kings selecting you, did, did you think they might be interested in you or, or what was your feeling going in? Um, my dad and agent definitely talked to them uh a lot going into the draft, but I didn't really know if I'd be going there. So it's definitely great when I did. Okay. Uh, what do you know about the Oil Kings? Uh, I know they're a great organization. Just came off a Mem Cup win, and they, uh, they're owned by the Oilers. So I'm really happy about that, actually. How come? Uh, you know, it's a place that has McDavid and Drysaddle there. So it's pretty great compared to like the teams in the middle of nowhere, you know? Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I hear you. Good stuff. How would you describe yourself as a player, Joe? Ooh, I'm definitely an offensive player. I score mostly off my shot, but I like to think I can score in like a lot of different ways, deeks, tips, rebounds. But I, I do still think I get like lots of assists and like can still make some plays. Okay, good stuff. Um, is there an NHL player that you compare yourself to or you'd like to think you model your game after a bit? 
Uh, all the questionnaires, I said uh, Austin Matthews because, you know, he scores a lot off his shot and he's a led the league in goals last year. Like, and he's just a great offensive player, you know? Yeah, okay. Tell us uh, where you've been playing and where you're going to play this upcoming season. Uh, for the last two years, I've played for Rink Hockey Academy in Kelowna here on the U15 prep team. But next year, I'm going to U18 prep. Okay, good stuff. And and has it now? Look, I know your family history with hockey, but has hockey always been the number one sport for you? Um, I mean, when out of sports, it always has been. But I never like I always played it, but I never was really that big of a fan of it until probably about like seven years old, and that's when I really like got into it more. And what what changed? Do you think? I don't know. Just one day, you know, my dad always said I just like bit the bug. It's just. One day, I just decided I just loved scoring goals, and that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> well, nothing like scoring a goal, so you're doing yeah. some good stuff there for sure. Um, in terms of, obviously, your dad. Look, everyone knows the, the last name, and, and your dad was such a great player. Um, what do you remember about him uh, as a player? I know you were still a little bit young, but he, but he did play uh, You know, when, when you would have been old enough to remember some stuff. What do you remember? Um, main thing I remember is really just like going to the games and getting to be in like the family rooms and, but when he was playing, he was never really that good anymore. Cause he was kind of old, but I heard a lot about him and it's just hard to believe it when I was young, you know? No. <laughs> but well, you're, you're a fun interview. You're very direct. Uh, is your dad's not in the room? Is he that he heard you say that? No. Okay. <laughs> Well, we'll have to make sure he tunes in so he could ca- he could catch that. Um, but w- w- when you, in all seriousness, though, when you hear people talk about your dad, and like you said, especially when he w- when he was his prime, uh, what what do you think when you hear uh, some people reflect on what a great player he was? It's it's kind of crazy because my dad always uh, he always chirps me because he thinks I I don't respect him very much as a player, but I I do, and it's just like. I just wish I could have been around to see it more, you know? Yeah. Well, for sure. I, you, you would have liked uh, watching him play. Uh, absolutely. Has it, has it ever been tough though? Having the last name again, you know, people might have some preconceived notions or expectations of you or, or, you know, compare you to your dad, which maybe might, might not always be fair. Was it ever tough? Um, you know, it, it's never really bothered me too much. The only time it really gets kind of annoying is like, if I'm playing a game, it was mostly last year, but people would say I was like only on the team because of my dad or I would never live up to him or I had big shoes to fill. Just like stuff from like the other teams like that, you know? Okay. Well, I'm sure you're uh, you're used to whatever they can throw at you for sure. Now, are you, what, what's this plan for you? Are you, is there, are you come to Edmonton soon for something or what's happening? Um, I just came this weekend for like a training camp with 06 and 07s. But I don't think I'll be back until like the main camp, probably around August. So what are you going to do this summer? Will you skate a lot? Will you golf, do some other sports? What are you planning? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to just shoot a lot. I'm going to do the workouts, have some camps in it. But uh, I am going to gonna get some golf in too. It's not my best sport, but I'm definitely trying to get better at it. <laughs> That's what... Uh... That's what everybody says about golf. No one feels they're good at it. They want to always get a little bit better at it for sure. Okay. Uh, and now I'll, I'll put you on the spot here as well. Do you have a favorite NHL team? Definitely the Oilers by now. 
You know, I always was a fan of them, you know, love McDavid and Dreisaitl. But, I mean, there's no other answer now that I'm going to be going playing for the Oil Kings, you know? Okay, right on. Well, Joe, thanks for letting us get to know you, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again down the road. Really uh, appreciate your time, and again, congratulations on being picked by the Oil Kings. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. I love Joe Ginla. I'm still laughing. What a great, <laughs> it was fantastic. What a great interview, huh? Oh, my goodness. Thanks uh, to Reed Wilkins for uh, for uh, interviewing Joe Aginla, who said, uh, well, I'm glad to be drafted in Edmonton so I don't have to go in the middle of nowhere. He loves Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And about his dad, well, he wasn't very good when I watched him because he was old. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh. Out of the mouth of babes, they say, but uh, 14-year-old Joe Aginla, the 12th overall pick in the first round by the Oil Kings in the prospect draft. And has already signed a uh, scholarship deal as well. Okay, we'll shift gears, and uh, we'll talk about the Edmonton Elks 2023 edition, which is uh, through six days of training camp. Uh, you'll hear from G. Roy Simon, assistant GM, next. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Sad news from the world of the NFL. Legend, actor, social activist Jim Brown passing away at the age of 87. He shattered records during a relatively short NFL career. He retired when he was 30, but did leave the Cleveland Browns to the last championship in 1964. He retired in his prime to become an actor. He's appeared in over 30 movies, also prominent leader in the black power movement of the 1960s. Has done a lot of work with uh, with kids as well. Uh, and uh, just uh, one of the best personalities around football and, and in the... Uh, in the media world and in the entertainment world, Jim Brown passes away at the age of 87. All right, Edmonton Elks uh, going through training camp and uh, different feel this year for sure compared to uh, year one under Chris Jones and G. Roy Simon. Had a chance to talk to G. Roy Simon, the assistant GM earlier today, about uh, camp so far. Yeah, the good thing is, you know, we we haven't had a lot of turnover. Um, we've had some injuries where we had to bring a guy a guy in here or there, but um, you know, continuity is, is is a big thing right now, and, and we're we're happy where we're at. How does it feel from your end of things coming in last year, and kind of it kind of felt maybe slapped together? I don't know. I mean, you were trying to make the best decisions you and Chris as possible, but now having speak about having the time, having a full off season to assess. Yeah, it's been good. Last year, I mean, we scrambled just to you know put together the roster we had to we had to overturn it a couple times which um it was it was a good you know good exercise but uh, you know you don't want to go through that again um we had a full uh full few months at the end of the season to to plan for the off season and you can see it's it's starting to take shape now um you know we 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 signed a bunch of good players um we went out and found a bunch of good players um so we we feel good about where we're at right now yeah the recruiting aspect you really had to grind and dig and grind and dig because you got xfl usfl down there and but but speak about just being willing to do that and really i mean were you left with a choice i mean you kind of had to do it anyway yeah i mean in order to for us to 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 get this team where we want it we had to recruit and and i and i feel like I'm one of the best recruiters in this country. Um, so whether it's, you know, the XFL, USFL, um, any other leagues, I feel that, you know, if I get a chance to talk to, to a guy and, and uh, if the pay is equal, we'll get him. So when you look at your starting group, I mean, I think Chris said 16 of 24 
from last year should be back. And it's pretty balanced offense and, and defense. Um, where would you put kind of like the, the highlights of, of those groups? Like where, which is the emphasis that you're looking at? Well, um, I mean, right now it's obviously the you know quarterback position. We, we want that. We want to stabilize that position as a starter and backups. Um, offensive and defensive lines, those are those are two focuses. Um, you know, in, in free agency, you know, the defensive line and offensive line, we want a stability. Um, so we feel like we have we have those those components down, and then the receiving core um, should be second to none this year. Um, we feel that Eugene Dunbar Swerve, and you know, added along with um, with Dylan, um, you know, we got a very good group. Um, you know, Manny Arsenault is the ultimate pro; um, he's the ultimate veteran. So we feel good about that group. So um, it's just a matter of staying healthy and getting guys the games each and every week, and I think we'll we'll have success. And that's uh, assistant general manager of the Elks, G. Roy Simon. To hear the entire interview, you can head to uh, 630ched.com on the Elks page. You can find it in the audio section. And uh, as far as the game itself goes on uh, on Monday, yes, there's concern about the wildfire smoke for sure. And uh, here in Edmonton, we're at a 9 right now. I know in Calgary earlier in the week, they were at an 11 plus. And one day they were able to go inside. That was Tuesday. Uh, they don't have the luxury like the Elks do that they can go inside the field house, block a bunch of time, and that's theirs. The Stampeders kind of have to dig for it, even though the options are a bit better. Uh, they couldn't practice Wednesday because they didn't have that. Everything cleared up on Thursday afternoon, though, enough that they could go outside. They were outside today. The air quality index is at a four. It's been an interesting week, according to uh, head coach of the Stamps, uh, Dave Dickinson. We're not going to dwell too much on what we missed. We're confident we can get enough in. and I always feel like I'm going to miss a day or two. With used to be rain, <laughs> but it used to rain a lot in May. doesn't seem to be that way anymore. And he says his team will be ready Monday despite the interruptions. I'm confident where we're at. Uh, I think everyone's had enough reps. So there you go. So uh, the game's expected to go on as planned, but anything can happen, anything can change, and uh, it does sound like Calgary's doing better than Edmonton, and hopefully Edmonton will clear up too. But the nice thing is that the game's in Calgary. So if, the, if Calgary stays the way it is right now, around that four, even five uh, mark, which is what I'm seeing for tomorrow at least. So there's a couple more days for it to change, of course, but hopefully it doesn't. But if it's around a four or five, they can play. So what, what would it take for them to actually say no-go? If it's seven plus. Seven plus. Yeah, I okay. would think it's going to be postponed. And that's hard because where do you move the game? And the, the Elks are supposed to play five days later. Uh, at home against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You know, Calgary's scheduled to play. Um, sometime, I think it's in the final week. So it's... Uh, Hope for the best. Season. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's what we're doing right now. So we expect the game to go on as planned. 12.30 countdown to kickoff. Brendan Escott, Blake Dermott, Morley Scott, myself will have the call at 2 o'clock from McMahon Stadium. 1-1 now. Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. Going to quickly find the goal scorer. It's William Carlson. Good player. Blue Jays. Uh, right now losing 6-2 in the bottom of the ninth inning. Three-way tie at the PGA Championship. Canadian Corey Connors along with Scotty Scheffler and Victor Hovland at five under par. Stay safe, everyone. Have a great long weekend. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. For studio producer, Derek Scott. Good to see you, brother. Talk to you Thanks, Monday. Dave. Talk to all of you on Monday when the Elks take on the Stampeders from McMahon in Calgary. Preseason num- game number one. Can't wait. Have a great weekend. Good night.